Hey everyone, this is Pastor Louie coming back for another episode of the Disruptive Doctrine Podcast. I want to start out by saying thank you guys so much who have joined us, who have downloaded, who have followed, shared, and subscribed. Um, obviously, I'm not trying to go viral in any way or any sense of the word as far as glorifying myself. Uh, I would be lying if I wasn't aiming for that, but it's not for me. It's for the kingdom. Uh, my goal is to spread the gospel, the true gospel, the message that Jesus told us to preach to as many people as possible. Uh, I am blessed enough where I do pastor a church in Saluda, South Carolina. Uh, it translates to, from Spanish to English, Walk of Faith Church in Saluda, South, uh, South Carolina. And um, I get the blessing of being able to preach and teach a couple times a week. Um, but I do it in Spanish, and I dominate the English language better. So having this platform allows me to be able to preach the gospel to those who are hearing and listening in a much more fluent way. Um, so at the end of the day, like I said, it's, it's not for me. It's definitely for the Lord. That, that's where my heart is. He knows my heart. Uh, disruptive doctrine. It's only disruptive to those who preach lies. Um, I have no intent of trying to attack people or bash people and think that I know more than someone else. Um, I know the truth that's been revealed to me and the conviction attached to that truth where I must preach it. Um, and if someone gets offended with it, that's up that's between them and the holy spirit if conviction is being brought to through what i'm teaching but at the end of the day the the posture of my heart is not to attack but it is to disrupt the enemy this is a spiritual war and the only way to fight a spiritual war is through preaching his word um it is spiritual warfare we do not wrestle against flesh and blood and the most powerful tool we have is God's word itself. So disruptive doctrine, disruptive truth. That's the goal that I have every time I come on here to spend some time with you all. And I do it from a place of love, place of obedience. Um, naturally, as we dive into scripture, there will be some controversial topics and revelations that the Holy Spirit illuminations, if I would rather describe it as an illumination of the word of the spirit in my life. And you guys might agree with me and you guys might not. Um, I'm not in the business to try to convince you guys to believe what I, my viewpoint is my, I'm in the business of sowing seeds and the Holy Spirit takes it from there. So that that's what we're doing here. And we've been talking a lot so far in the first few episodes about the kingdom. We started talking about the upside down kingdom. We talked about some of the basics of kingdom principles. We talked about the creation story, why the devil hates us so much. Um, last few weeks, we dove into epigenetics, the science of basically not being a slave to our DNA, that we are not predestined, that we are not slaves to our genetics that Jesus Christ offers you the opportunity to be born into a spiritual person, which is the actual original form that he designed us in. Um, I'm going to be doing a episode. I don't know when, but it's going to be titled re R E two letters R E uh, Jesus came for restoration, redemption, um, 
revelation and the letters re means to repeat or to bring back to an original state so i mean the the original state of man was we were created formed by the ground but we received spiritual life we are spiritual beings in the form of human flesh so sin kind of messed up our composition and jesus christ offers us an opportunity through the power of the spirit to be born again and to be born in a spiritual atmosphere under the guidance and protection of the holy spirit well he does all the heavy lifting for us um so if we're going to talk about the kingdom we're going to be if we've talked about being born again in kingdom mindset then what better way to continue our conversations than getting to know the king getting to know the man that left glory who left his place in glory and he came down to serve people who would eventually kill him to attempt to rescue his lost children of Israel who rejected him and because they rejected him the gentiles we now get an opportunity to have a covenant with the Lord, but our covenant is based on grace and mercy and faith. So the title of today's episode is King Me, the God Man. And I want to talk about this because when we talk about Jesus, I feel like lately the church has put so much emphasis on his humanity. And what he was doing as a human. What, what was his purpose as a human? And we just talked about his humanity and his humanity. But we don't talk about his divinity. We don't talk about the fact that he is, not was. Because the way he was on earth, he's going to be that way forever. But he is God. I'm trying not to get emotional because I have been on a spiritual high these last few days where I feel like the Holy Spirit is just tearing me apart because we were not worthy of what Jesus did for us. And we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about his true plan. What did he actually come down for? What was his actual message? Not what we were taught in Sunday school, not what our parents just taught us and our parents' parents taught us, you know, this uh, a little girl asked her mom while her mom was teaching her a family recipe. And she asked her mom, well, why do we do it like this? And the mom said, well, that's, this is the way my mom taught me to do it. So then she goes to the grandma and says, hey, grandma, why do we do it this way? Grandma said, I don't know. That's how my mom taught me. She goes to her great great her great grandmother. Hey, great grandmother, why do we do it this way? I don't know. That's how. So the little girl's realizing a pattern that no one really knew why. And no one had a legitimate reason. It was just, this is how we've always done it. And that's what the gospel has turned into. When people start questioning, well, this doesn't add up. 
Why do we preach like this? I don't know. That's just how we've always preached it. And God forbid we question what's been taught. Because if you start asking questions, you get titled as a, a false prophet. You get titled as a black sheep. So, I mean, that's kind of my zone. I, I like asking questions. And, and I don't ask questions to man. I ask questions to the Holy Spirit. And he always gives me the right answer. And I'm confident in his response and his revelation to me. So, King me, the God man. Why did Jesus have to be human? And why did it have to be God to take form of humanity? For those of us Sunday school gangsters, Sunday school seniors, graduates, we know the answer to this. But this is not just for those who are saved. This is for those who don't know Jesus or have not been properly taught about Jesus. So let's let's get into it. Why human? Why did Jesus Christ, why did God have to take the form of man? Well, this goes back to Adam. See, when God made Adam, he made Adam from the dirt, breathed a spirit-giving life into him, which then gave Adam a soul. And Adam was directly connected to heaven. And as we've discussed before, the original purpose of Adam and Eve was to multiply amongst themselves, essentially multiplying this divine God bloodline that Adam and Eve had. And their job was to rule the earth as man. Which is the, just the term. It's not gender specific. It's just man is the word that the Bible uses to describe the human race. But their job was to rule over the earth as man. But as man directly connected to heaven by the spirit of God. That was God's original blueprint with man. So since that got messed up. Jesus had to become the last Adam. If he wanted to fix what Adam and Eve messed up, he had to do it in the same form that they were in when that made when they made that mistake. Now, a lot of people say that Christ was the second Adam. No, he wasn't the second Adam. He was the last Adam. Just there's only two Adams, so that direct indirectly makes him the second Adam. But when it comes to the way the Scripture describes it. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 says, the scripture tells us, the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. So we're going to be doing some compare and contrast. But Jesus Christ took the form of man, but he was a life-giving spirit. His nature was God. Who he was on the inside was God. You know, Scooby-Doo, whenever they would find those monsters, and then they would, at the end, finally unveil who the monster was, and they would take off the, the mask, and, oh my gosh, it's the person we least expected, and then Velma would come out and be like, oh, I knew because of all the clues. Well, Jesus had the form of man, 
He had eyes, ears, feet, nose, mouth, hair. But on the inside, who he actually was, was God. He had to be born under the law. He had to be human because he had to be born under the law. Because since man at this time, because of sin, was under the law, he himself had to become under the law in order to complete the act of redemption. Galatians 4.4 Galatians 4 says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. No spiritual being was under the law. A spirit cannot be subject to a law or under the law. So the only way he could be like man and become under the law was he had to take man's form. Another reason why Jesus had to become human was because blood was required for the redemption of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, God killed an animal. And the blood was the covering of the sin, but it wasn't the removal of the sin. In order for sin to be removed, the blood that was filled had to be perfect, untainted. The spiritual genome could not be affected or connected with anything. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for our life that makes purification possible. So Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the mighty blood of Jesus, the secret weapon to our redemption, the thing that the devil is most afraid of, the blood of Jesus flowing through our veins. He had to be human in order to, to shed it. Okay, again, Everything that's physical has a spiritual counterpart. It wasn't, just, it wasn't just physical blood. I mean, we're talking about a spiritual sacrifice as well. But he needed to be human in order to spill blood. Now, this is, this is uh, something that's been a little bit, not controversial, but it, I've read as I was studying for this, I, I saw it. There's like a bunch of articles on this topic everywhere on the internet. So. I guess I'm just late to the party, but apparently this has been a discussion for a very long time, and it's Jesus had to allow himself to have temptation presented to him for our sake. What do I mean by that? Had Jesus come and not taken human form, and he came in spirit form, and just wiped the enemy out and didn't just, that's it, I'm God and I don't want to, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to do it in a spirit form. And that's that. It would have not counted as much because it's like, well, of course you did that, Jesus, because you're God. And you weren't tempted in the flesh like we were. Well, I'll tell you this. Jesus allowed himself to be tempted, not for the sake of experiencing temptation. Check this out. He already knows what it felt like to be tempted because he's omniscient. He's omnis omniscient. He knows everything. So the, the knowledge that God has does not come from him experiencing something. He didn't have to get tempted to be like, oh, that's how it feels like. No, he knows how it felt like before he even came down to earth. Because he's all-knowing. But because he knew we would put up that argument 
Had he not taken human form, he says, you know what? I'll take a human form. I'll get tempted the way they get tempted. But Jesus was zero, he had zero risk of falling into temptation. Hebrews 4.14 says, So then since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high, this high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted in the same way that Eve was tempted. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the world. Now, there's two different kinds of temptation. There's temptation that is external, that is presented to someone in an attempt to stir up a desire. The desire wasn't originally there, but in an attempt to try to stir up the desire, you can present someone a temptation. But then the second definition of temptation is, I already have the desire in me, the desires of my eyes, the flesh, and the world, and the temptation comes from internal. The temptation that Jesus went through was not an internal temptation. It was simply the enemy saying, you know what? I know you do not have the ability to sin, but I'm going to try anyways. Eh, I'll just give it a shot. Why not? Why do you think the conversation, at least in the Bible, we don't know how long this conversation was, but the devil presented Jesus' temptation. And after a few times of Jesus quoting scripture, he dipped. He's like, oh, I mean, I give it a shot. But at the end of the day, the devil knew that he wasn't going to get him to fall. Because, again, who's inside of the suit? Well, the flesh was just a suit for Christ. He had feelings, yes. Did he express his feelings? Ask the tables he flipped. Ask the tears he shed when Lazarus died. But he didn't cry because Lazarus died. He was crying due to unbelief. That's going to be another episode. But of course he felt stress. Of course he felt anxiety. Those are feelings and emotions. That's not a sin. But the question goes to, if Jesus could sin. And this is a, a question that some people have very strong opinions against, but this is kind of the way I want to describe it to you guys. In order for Jesus to have had the ability to commit a sin, the desire for sin had to have already been inside him. Now, people say, oh, he was 100% human, so of course he could sin. No, bro. Check this out. See, again, we, we, we got to understand basics of grammar then the definitions of words and uh, the, the the concept here man was formed from the earth they are formed from the passion of man they are we come from the unity of a man and a woman in sexual form and we are conceived through the act of sex between two people, a man and a woman. And we are born from human nature. Every single person who is born is born without the blood of Jesus in them. They have to make that decision down the road. But when they are born, they are born 
automatically with the desire to sin in their heart. So if Jesus was not conceived from an act of sex, if Jesus did not receive tainted blood, if Jesus was conceived spiritually, and the Bible clearly says that the fullness of God was in him, how are we going to say that Jesus had the ability to sin? Point number two. I would not feel comfortable as humanity. I wouldn't feel comfortable as God the Father sending down my son to earth to rescue humanity, knowing that there is the slightest chance that Jesus could commit a sin and ruin everything. Like, if that was even a possibility, why would he have come? Like, he wouldn't come. Like, no. This is what we keep on telling people because we want to find a way to justify our desire to sin. Oh, well, Jesus was human and, and he, he could have sinned too, he, but he didn't. But he could have. No, bro. How could Jesus do what God hates the most? Oh, because he was human. No, he was in the form of a human. There's a difference between form and nature. He was, <clears throat> by nature, God. The only difference is that as God, he had arms and legs and blood and hair and nose and mouth and feelings and emotions expressing itself through a human body. But he was not born from the same nature of man. He was born and conceived by the nature of God, by his spirit. And the reason why he came down to earth was not because, oh, let me see if I can get tempted and not fall. Are you kidding me, man? You really think that that's what Jesus' mindset was? Let me go down to heaven and I'm going to face temptation and tribulation and persecution and hopefully I, I, I don't sin. No, bro. He came to establish his dominance over sin. He came to be a bully to Satan and say, yo, you can present all the temptation to me that you think you're going to get me to fall, but you know dang well who I am. Because remember, there was already a battle in heaven when Satan, when Lucifer got kicked out. So Lucifer knows what's up. Lucifer already got his butt handed to him by Jesus once. God already, God is already up on the leaderboard. Jesus, we discussed in the prior episodes, he was there when Lucifer was tasked out. So Lucifer knows I am not stronger than Jesus. I am not stronger than God. So Lucifer, Satan already knows he's not on an even playing field. He knows he doesn't have a chance. The whole point was not to see if he can overcome temptation. It's to prove that I can't sin. So since I can't sin, nothing you can do can stop me from completing my mission. He came to be a spiritual bully to death, to Satan, to his kingdom, to his demons. To the point where Jesus would walk into temples where people, the, the man was demon possessed and he didn't even have to say a word. Just his presence. Like, yo, why are you tormenting me? The demons would yell out. It's not our time yet. So you're telling me that that reaction by the devil's army in the presence of Jesus, they reacted that way 
even though people saying that he could have sinned, why would they react that way if they had a fighting chance? Nah, bro. Jesus was a giant on earth in the spiritual realm. He came to establish his dominance. He came to establish his power. He came to remind the enemy of the authority because he was God-man. Okay, so why? Why? Okay, that's his man side. Let's talk about his. Let's talk about the divinity of Christ. Jesus took form of a man, but he was God. He came down to heaven as God. John 1.14 says, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory in the glory of the Father's one and only Son. He came down to reveal God's glory. I mean, again, sometimes we got to be careful with how we talk about certain topics and the rules of grammar. There's a lot of people who say that God doesn't share his glory with anyone. We'll talk about that in depth in a future episode, but he definitely does. Now, it depends what form of glory you're talking about because you have the glory of being God. No, that one's not shared with no one because there's only one God. But if I share the keys to my car with you and I say, hey, I'm going to give you the keys to my car so you can help everyone who's in need. And when someone comes into the car and says, hey, nice car, your response is, thank you. This car belongs to my father. This is my father's car. He's letting me use his car. He's sharing his car with me, but it's his car and everything I do, I do it as a representation of him to reflect who he is as my father. That's exactly what he does with his glory. He shares his glory with us 100%. But he's only going to share it with the one whose heart posture is immediately, the immediate response is, okay, God, you're going to share your glory with me? Bet, I'll, I, I receive it. But I'm going to turn it around and I'm going to reflect it right back to you. I'm going to use the glory that you're sharing with me to just give you the glory right back. Okay, so why else would God reveal his glory? His glory was already revealed in the Old Testament with, with the miracles and him stopping space and time and sending manna from heaven. His glory was plain and it was already revealed. But in human form, in physical form, where we could physically see, I mean, just think about this. To look into the eyes of glory, those who saw Jesus. And if you need a reason to keep on pushing through this trial and tribulations of life, just think about the day when you look into the eyes of glory, when we see Jesus face to face. He came to be the light and to give it. And here's the thing, that everything that Jesus brought with him as God to earth, he didn't bring it to keep it to himself. The whole purpose of the gospel, the actual gospel message, is everything that I came down as, I'm giving it to you guys so you guys can use it while you're here. I've been listening to a book, uh, Rediscovering the Kingdom by Dr. Miles Moreau, and he that book shook me to the core when, why do we keep on telling people, oh, you know, life sucks, but one day we'll go to heaven and everything will end. No, life is not just about making it to heaven. That's our ultimate end goal, and that's where we're going to see heaven in the physical as a physical place. 
But Jesus says the kingdom is near. Jesus says the kingdom is amongst you and in you. And his message, the message of Jesus was the kingdom of God is here. So it's the gospel. It's let's teach people how to live in the kingdom of God while they're on earth. I'm going to reveal my glory and I'm going to reveal my power and I'm going to also give it to you. John chapter one. In that same chapter, it continues and says to the one who is true light, who gives light to everyone was coming to the world. He came to be the light and he came to give the light. What is the light? The truth. The truth uncensored. He came to be a lamb of sacrifice. The chapter continues. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Again, if he came to be the Lamb that would take away the sin of the world, let's go back to this argument. How could he even, how can we even entertain the possibility that Jesus could have sinned if he was guided by purpose and he had to be sinless? Let's stop being silly. He came to adopt us, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Whoa. Again, Jesus didn't come as God, man, to just flex, show everyone what's up, and then go back home. Everything that he did, every word that he spoke, Every miracle that he did, every demon he casted out with the power of the Spirit of God, he came to gave us that, to give us that. He came to give us the right to be children of God. And when we become children of God, we we as an inheritance, the Bible says we inherit his glory, we inherit his presence, we inherit the kingdom, we inherit the power. Come on now. And what are we doing with it? We're busy trying to convince people that these are the list of things you have to do. This is the list of name uh, clothing brands you're allowed to wear. This is the genres of music that you're allowed to listen to. This is the list of food that you're allowed to eat. This is the list of the places you're allowed to go. And if you do anything outside of this list, you're not going to heaven. Says who? Says who? When was the last time we checked ourselves at the door and made sure that what we're telling people to do is actually what Jesus said to do? I'm all about order. We have to have order in the church. 100% we have to have order in the church. But there's a difference between teaching something as a method of keeping order and teaching it as you need to do this in order to be saved. Okay? The message is the kingdom. Jesus explained very clearly that what's on the outside doesn't defile. It's what's on the inside. And what he's trying to do is to get us to become adopted as children of God. So the kingdom of God can now be what's on the inside. If what's on the inside is coming out is what defiles us. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be walking as defiled children. We should be walking as children of God because the kingdom of God is inside us. Chapter continues, they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Jesus was spiritually conceived, not as a, not a physical, not a physical birth from human passion or plan, 
we're talking about a spiritual birth, and that is the whole what Jesus every Jesus came to be the first to do everything. Jesus was the first to be born of the Spirit in human form. He was the first to have the fullness of God, the fullness of it, through spiritual conception. And he came to lead us to that spiritual rebirth. And the thing is that the rebirth, being born again, it's not something new. The, the, the form that he's trying to lead us to, it ain't, it ain't new. Again, Adam and Eve were made from dirt in human form, but their nature was just like God. Let us make man in our image. So they can be one with us. So this is not something new, guys. This is, let me take you, like there's a song. This is, uh, the only version I listen to is Pentecostals of Alexandria. It's called Take Me Back to the Garden. And it's it, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Jesus said, I'm going to take man on a memory lane trip. And I'm going to take us back to the garden where man fell because of temptation. And I'm going to show you guys by example that I've overcome the world. And I want to take you back to the original form. Obviously, our physical bodies will one day be transformed and glorified. But our actual nature can return to its original state, which is one with the spirit of God. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to serve. He came to teach us the power of service. He came to establish the most important principle of the kingdom. Which was, which is, to make yourself the lowest of low on earth, so in the kingdom you can be the highest of high. We are made to be kings. That was God's plan with man. I didn't have this verse written down, but it just came to me. Revelation chapter one. Verse 5. Well, let's let's go to 4. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things. The first to rise us from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us. And has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood over us and for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Let me read you. I tend not to use um, KJV, but. There's a couple times where it's just, it really is the best description. Um, 
I'm not going to get into that debate of KJB only. No, bro. There's. We're not going to talk about that today, but. Revelation 1. 5 in the KJV version says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests. He has made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. So King me. You know the game of checkers? I'm pretty sure I put a chess picture on the cover art, whatever. But the point is, Jesus as God-man, not God and man, because he his nature wasn't man. And this is where the confusion is. It's the Bible clearly, clearly states, see, this is this is coming to me. I didn't have this in my notes, but when the Holy Spirit controls your life and he just be dropping word. Um, we have to understand that you can't have human manly nature, sinful nature, and the nature of God at the same time. When the Bible says he was God-man, it doesn't say he was God and man, because he wasn't God and man. He was God-man. Why? Because there was not one second during the ministry of Jesus, during the time that he was on earth, where the sinful nature of man was present in Jesus. My God. There was not one second of Jesus' life where the sinful nature of man was present in Jesus. He had human form and he had the nature of man in the sense of, again, a heartbeat and cells and blood cells and an immune system and Eyes, nose, mouth, ears, legs. Bet you he probably had a six pack. He was probably in shape. That was the Nate. That that's the extent of the human nature in him. But for not one measurement of time was man's sinful nature present in Jesus. That that's just not what happened. That's not how Jesus rolls. He will forever be God, man. He will always. For eternally be God incarnate. He will forever be the God-man. The physical version of God. The physical manifestation of God. The God that we can see. Because if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And Philip says, but show us, show us the Father. And he's like, bro, I just told you. You've been with me all this time. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you see how I am, you've seen how God is. So he's always going to be God. Just the man of God. Not human nature, not human sinful nature. That's not what Jesus and who Jesus was. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He came down to earth to establish his dominance. 
He didn't come to be second place to anyone. He didn't come to see if he was stronger than temptation. He came knowing that he's stronger than temptation. He didn't come to see if he can overcome sin. He came to overcome sin. It was his purpose. It was the only, it was his reason. It was his purpose. It was the will of his father to come down and show the world. There is nothing that you guys can do in this realm or in the spiritual realm, nor to, and not, and not, not from humanity, nor the angels in the heavenly places to show everyone, bro, there's nothing you can do to knock me down. I am the God of the universe. I'm the king. The God-man. The most beautiful form of God because we get to relate to God through Jesus. If that's not what we're preaching, then we're screwing it all up. If that's not the message of the gospel that's being preached on our pulpits, we're screwing it all up. I know that's what I'm preaching. I get flack for it. Yeah. Not everyone agrees with me. That's fine. But not everyone has a kingdom mindset. And I'm on a goal. Uh, my goal, my mission with this platform is to do exactly that. I want people to learn. Like I said, I'm not going to come on here and, and bash people because they don't agree with me. No, bro, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray, just like Paul said, I pray that the eyes, I pray that your eyes are illuminated by the word. I pray that the blind spots that the devil has created in your life where you can't hear the Holy Spirit correctly, I pray those blind spots are removed. And at the light of Jesus, the light of the truth is shown on those blind spots. So you can see the snares and the traps that the devil has placed in those blind spots. I pray that he reveals those spiritual markers on your bloodline that are keeping you from fully receiving the Holy Spirit, from fully becoming a, a born-again Christian creature. That's what I'm praying for. I don't got beef with no one at all. Paul said it best when he said, when I'm with the Jews, I practice the law. Of the Jews. Not because I'm subject to it. But because it gives me the opportunity to preach them the gospel and save them. So that's what this is. You want to know what the purpose of the Disrupted Doctrine podcast is? It's I'm not here to be enemies with no one. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll put myself in any position if it gives me the opportunity to plant a seed of the gospel. So... We're gonna be we're we're gonna be taking off. This is about to get. We're gonna be going through the life of Christ. I'm gonna be dropping episodes on Mondays and Fridays. So I what I pray is that you guys begin the week with me and end the week with me. So start your work week with Pastor Louis. Start the weekends with Pastor Louis. Go to church on Sundays. Study the Word. If I said something wrong, comment. Send me a message, comment on the podcast, comment on our YouTube, call me out. If I made a mistake, I will have zero shame to come on here and admit, you know what, after further prayer 
and discernment of the spirit. I realize that I may have misinterpreted something, but this is what God is putting on my heart. And I'm not going to be trying to be mainstream and find controversial topics to talk about. We're just going to talk about Jesus. And naturally, when we go through the life of Jesus, controversy will come up because Jesus was extremely controversial. Paul was controversial. Shout out to Isaiah Robin, one of my favorite rappers. I love that song, Controversial. If we just talk about what Jesus spoke about, controversy is going to come up. You don't have to look for it. But it's a good kind of controversy because it's only a controversy for those who are enemies of the truth. So that's what we're going to start doing. We're going to start talking about the life of Jesus. Um, I may split it up where Mondays we're going to go through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and focus on all the teachings of Jesus. And then on Fridays, uh, starting the book of Acts and just go through the ministry of Paul and the Pauline letters and um, the interpretations and the revelation of the mysteries of the gospel. Because Jesus preached the kingdom and Paul's ministry was all about receiving revelation of the mysteries of the kingdom so he can teach Christians how to apply it in their daily walk. So I might split it up between Mondays and Fridays, but then it'll be out of order. So um, most likely we'll just start going starting Friday. Um, just start off with the, the gospel of Matthew and just go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And go for a ride and talk about the parables. Let's talk about what actually is the gospel. What is the actual message that he called us to preach? And and we'll we'll get to it. So thank you guys so much. We're gonna end in a prayer. And we'll be back on Friday. So Father God, we come before you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for becoming the God man. We thank you. For being a God that loved his creation so much that he took the form of man, maintaining his godly nature. To show the world and to show us that you have overcome the world, to show us that with your spirit, we have nothing to worry about. To show us that with your spirit, there is no sin or temptation that can make us fall if we, if we abide in the power of Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. The world tears itself apart looking for power. Well, we have a power that is unmatched through the Holy Spirit. The world tears itself up for authority. We have an authority that goes unmatched through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the good news of the gospel. And I pray, Father God, that every ear and every heart that this episode falls into, you begin to do a work. I pray for healing for those who have been improperly taught the gospel. That may have some church hurt, some scars, because they just didn't get the correct version of it. And I pray for healing for those people. And I pray that through this platform, they can begin that healing process. But it's your word that does it. You're just using my lips and a microphone attached to my desk. But the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. And I humble myself before you, Lord. And I pray that you continue to work in a marvelous way. I pray for healing, spiritual healing, emotionally for all the ears, for all the hearts, for all the people joining this episode, past episodes, and all the episodes to come. And may it all be for your glory. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining today. Um, if you haven't uh, found us on our platforms, don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. We're all over the place. Um, click our link tree and you'll see all of our platforms. So 
Thank you so much for joining us today on the Disruptive Doctrine Podcast. And we will see you guys on Friday. Stay safe. And God bless you guys. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Disruptive Doctrine Podcast. Just wanted to come on here as a reminder that we are on all, mostly all platforms as far as podcasts go. We are on YouTube, we have social media, we have Facebook, we have an Instagram, and we have a Twitter. If you go on our link tree, you're going to see links to all of our social media. And you're also going to see our new DisruptiveDoctrine.com website where you're going to see our Shopify store where we're starting to drop some logo merchandise as well as some other apparel and different things we're going to be dropping in the future. Uh, The title of today's episode, King Me, I am going to be dropping a really cool King Me t-shirt that I designed as I am a graphic designer. Uh, So the stuff that you're going to be seeing are all designed by me and everything will go towards helping me grow the podcast, get better equipment eventually and continue to um, help grow this ministry. So just wanted to come on here, invite you guys to go on Linktree, like, share, subscribe and follow us on all our social media and help us get the word out there. Thank you guys and God bless.